it's Tuesday night. We're back with another episode of Dynasty Theory. I'm John Bauer, joined by Dan Lamagna. He's got his Cowboys gear on. Big win against the Eagles this week, Dan. How do you feel? Man, I'm definitely riding high with my boys. And I'll just share a little sort of related, not related story from the weekend. So before the Cowboys game, you know, I take my wife to, we went to the buffet at the casino on Saturday, 17-year wedding anniversary. So we're celebrating. And it was more of like, hey, we're going to have a nice lunch and then go shop and Christmas shop and just spend quality time together. So she happened to see some random commercial or something. She goes, there's an NFL slot machine in the casino. I was like, oh, cool. So we're looking all over. Can't find this NFL slot machine. So I'm like, all right. Like I, I had 80 bucks to just throw in some random sh- machine. Throw it in the Wheel of Fortune machine. I'm down to like five bucks or something, one spin. And I, I end up winning my 80 bucks back. And for, you know, like us crazies, like we'll throw money at anything for a chance to win. And, you know, just like fantasy football. And she's pleading, like doesn't want to lose 80 bucks to gambling. Just, just cash out, honey. So I cash out. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. So we go for a walk and we're just about to walk out and I spot the, the NFL slot machine. So I was like, we got to go back. And there's two people on there and one, you get to pick your team and, and whatever team you pick, you see all their highlights on there. So someone had the Steelers, someone had the Packers, uh, the, the Steeler fan, JB, you'd be happy. was like crushing it. They were up like four grand on whatever. So I was waiting for the Packers fan to get off who was down to like 10 bucks and they did. And I hop on the Cowboys machine, pop the 80 bucks in spin it all the way down to my last spin again and then i i lost i was like just 20 more bucks honey 20 more bucks put it in and it says like big win and i'm thinking all right what did i win and like all these little lights are flashing off and dak is throwing touchdowns and i want my 80 bucks back so she's like come on please cash out and i'm like i can't cash out now i'm i'm hot baby i'm hot and uh i lost my 80 bucks like you know, eight spins later but that's just my little fun casino story but the cowboy slot machine or whoever your team is i highly recommend it if you go just don't Man, lose all your money if they're showing Steeler highlights i don't know if that's uh as much uh it could get material a there if you will uh that was the longest story i think i've ever heard that ends in losing 80 dollars. but i like it dan i like it oh, mitch fun. what's going on man <laughs> Uh, dude, so the funny thing is I've had like that same thing happen. We were in Vegas and my wife just did not want me to gamble anymore. I was like, it's just 40 bucks. It's 40 bucks. She wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the night because I was like, spin her down. <laughs> Mitch, you know, that like 40, 80 bucks for us is like, ah, it's exactly, a couple exactly. lineups, one team. And exactly. to the ladies, it's like, it's Christmas time. Like we could be shopping for something. Uh, she was like, that's half our dinner. I'm like, eh, we'll be all right. <laughs> Man, well, disappointing stories all around. But hopefully what has not been disappointing is the 2023 regular season. So when we've done the weekly episodes, we've kind of done takeaways from the previous week, what we're looking at the weeks ahead, and how can we use that and translate that for dynasty the dynasty purposes. But tonight, we kind of want to spend some time looking back on this 23 season And it's been 14 weeks of pure craziness, ups and downs, hopefully more ups than downs. But in general, I kind of want your thoughts on how this season has played out. And I told you guys, very broad show notes tonight. I want to leave it very open-ended. So Mitch, I want to start with you. Just overall, what, what are your thoughts on this season? 14 weeks in. 
I'm going to say it feels down as far as fantasy-wise from previous years. I don't know if that's really how it turned out. But for me, I feel like I've seen a lot lower scores than what I've seen previously. And I just think the the offensive game this year has been really bad for most NFL teams. I mean, of course, we have the ones that are really good. But even like the Chiefs like the chiefs offense, it's like not even fun to watch and they have the best quarterback in the NFL and it's just boring. Oh, we have the Cowboys who are amazing to watch each week. And then the lions who are okay. Half the time, the other time they can't put 10 points up on the board. Like I feel like this season has been a lot lower scoring or at least less fun than previous seasons. As far as offense wise, I think now, this is- I, w- I would like to take that, that point right there and turn it over to you, Dan with that, like, can we attribute this to like a real football perspective or the reasons for this? I mean, Dan, you're the, the one that's studying the game, uh, maybe sleeping an hour at night. If you're lucky, what are your thoughts on that? A couple thoughts. One, I think it is something related to the game. I mean, I know I've been impacted and we're seeing the injuries this year that impact everything, but I was actually going to add a turn to you, JB, who's always in the spreadsheets and, you know, and, it's affected my dynasty teams, I think, to some degree. But when playing DFS, a lot of the strategy goes by the Vegas over-unders. And the totals are a lot lower this year, week in and week out. So I do think there's something, JB, to the teams, to the injuries, to the, you know, the impacted quarterback play. But I was curious if maybe you were seeing something in the sheets, pal. Yeah, so in 2021, and I kind of dug into numbers a little bit a couple weeks ago in terms of you know, I, I know a lot of teams, they're transitioning to that, what is it, like the too high safety and trying to keep teams from really attacking down the field and hitting those big plays. So I thought, well, if that's the case, you would think teams would be able to sustain longer drives and you wouldn't have these quick hitters, 70-yard uh, uh, touchdowns necessarily, but uh, uh, shorter plays down the field, more first downs, And we're seeing fewer first downs. We're seeing fewer touchdowns, especially from the passing perspective. But it it doesn't, you know, it's not going to sound like much. But over the course of the season, it adds up. Two years ago, offenses on average were having, the teams were averaging 23 points per game. I was going to say offense, but, you know, there might be some some other. uh, Actually, no, these should just be offense. This year, it's down to 21.7. So again, it isn't like a a drastic, whoa, 1.3, alert the media. But over the course of how, what what is it? 200 some games Mm -hmm. over the season, those points add up. And like you talked about the implied totals, I would be very interested to see how things have transitioned throughout the season. I wish I would have done a snapshot you know, four weeks in, eight weeks in, 12 weeks in, because as the season has gone on, so many more injuries are piling up. And especially at the quarterback position, we're going to be talking about that from a dynasty and fantasy perspective here in a few minutes as maybe one of the bigger surprises or disappointments. You could put it both ways. But the NFL, you know, Dan, you're the biggest you know, uh, opportunist, uh, when it comes to like XFL, USFL, you're an equal opportunity DFS player, whatever league is going on. And what really separates the NFL from these lower tier leagues 
it comes down to the quarterback play. So when we are banking on Josh Dobbs as being a fantasy savior for your super flex teams, we're relying on, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joe Flacco coming in and being one of the higher scoring quarterbacks on average over the last three weeks. That really tells you a lot about the game, I think, and the impact that's going to have from a dynasty perspective. So I, you know, you could look at it too. So many penalties are being called. Look at all of these roughing the passers, such absolute trash uh, officiating on a weekly basis, game by game. But again, do we want to see these quarterbacks coming in off the streets? We had eight backup quarterbacks playing this week. We had eight Vegas underdogs win in week 14. And I, 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 Forget the it was the most all time since I forget the exact uh, stat, so I don't want to misquote it. But when you have that much parity throughout the league, it's great for the NFL in terms of not getting the same teams over and over and over again. But we still have the upper echelon. But now it's just a bloodbath. I mean, there's still 24 teams I think I saw that can make the playoffs mm-hmm. heading into Week 15. That just shows you how crazy and close it is. That's that's that there, I think, speaks volumes. And it just shows the NFL can't sustain, I think, the litany of quarterback injuries that they've had this year. And I know there's been injuries and some carousel moves and some struggles that years past, but it it feels different. You know, you lose an Aaron Rodgers for the year. You lose Burrow for the year. Even when you had Burrow, he wasn't healthy. A Tannehill. A. Rich goes down. Mac Jones stinks. Danny Dimes regresses and stinks. Herbert even the team had struggles and then he gets hurt. Garoppolo's your best option in Vegas. He can't even crack the field. Cousins goes down. Deshaun Watson. So I, I just can't DJ see. DJ Stroud now going through concussion protocol when we need him the most. And his receivers are dropping like flies. So he has no one to throw to when you face a tough Jets secondary. And then quarterbacks that are like, you know, st- are playing and healthy. Bryce Young stinks. Ritter's kind of stinky and erratic. Derek Carr's, you know average at best it's it is brutal jb on these quarterback street streets and so even mitch, mahomes doesn't have anyone to throw to anymore right yeah mitch let me ask you we've talked about this for several years and it's kind of going back and forth you look at the depth of the quarterback position and the separation we see between those top six eight whatever you want to call it quarterbacks and the middle tiers and then the guys that trickle in towards the bottom how is what we saw so far this year going to impact Mitch Sorensen's strategy moving forward? Is this even more of a divide and a necessity to get those high-end quarterbacks, a Josh Allen, a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, or does this just kind of show you the, the middle-tier quarterbacks are the biggest avoid we've seen in quite some time? So this is going to skip a little bit ahead because you had a question about roster construction mm-hmm. moving forward. And for me, previously, I've always wanted three quarterbacks. But I've seen more in recent years that teams that go into the season with two quarterbacks end up doing a little bit better as far as getting into the playoffs. And then, you know, whatever happens in the playoffs is whatever. But I do see them, their win rate a little bit higher than people with three quarterbacks, right? So this year I tried that on more of my teams than I ever have previously, and I'm just never going to do it again. Because 
while I do believe you could go out and trade for quarterbacks, let's say you lose a Herbert, you lose a Burrow, you could go trade for one, yes. But if you have, you know, as many teams as I have, I think I have 30 or 40 at this point, and it happens and you have to do it on six different teams in one week, sometimes people just don't respond and you can't get trades done. Then all of a sudden you don't have a quarterback, you know, or if I would have went into the season on all of my teams with three quarterbacks, which I've always done previously, I'll at least have a backup. Even there's a bye week I'm like, okay, you know, this week I have to put some on my super flex spot, but I'm okay moving forward. And this year, like I swear, I had so many teams that I was constantly scrambling just to get starter points because I lost my second quarterback. Then my first quarterback got hurt. And I'm like, oh, great. I don't have anyone to even start in my quarterback spot. So then I have to go and overpay because I think I have a good team or I traded my first already. And so for me, it just definitely made it to where I will always have three quarterbacks on my roster, starting quarterbacks on my roster moving forward. The only thing I'll say to play devil's advocate to that a little bit, the fact that we have so many of these, you know, uh, dynasty quarterback twos that are, they're okay. Like they're, you know, they're there like a Geno Smith, uh, you, you know, even dynasty quarterback threes. If you're talking about Desmond Ritter, a Derek Carr, um, you know, the only saving grace, I think, Let's say you are in a situation where you have a CJ Stroud and now there's that level of uncertainty and you had Justin Herbert. I think because of the craziness that we are seeing, it makes a potential one or two week stopgap quarterbacks readily available. Like you can go out and get a Jake Browning. Is it sexy? No. And Nick Mullins is still on waivers in a lot of leagues. Again, is it sexy? No. But if you went with the star two quarterback approach and uh, two star quarterbacks, I should say, and you faded that quarterback three on your dynasty roster, there are opportunities, I think. I mean, we're looking to to get offers out for uh, Gardner Minshew in yeah. a couple leagues. I have Rem Dog's comment, just don't go pay for Jimmy G or Mac Jones preseason, and then they get benched. I think the takeaway there, and I love that comment, I think what we're going to see is in startups, and I, I got to pull an old clip. I oh, got to give myself that pat on the back, boys. Got to stretch out a little bit. Oh, here we go. But I talked about throughout the offseason – when you look at startup trends, and we're almost there, boys. We're almost in the startup season. <laughs> but when you look at startup trends, I thought those middle-tier quarterbacks were going a little bit too high. And I said that was the the point where you could pivot off of uh, maybe in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and go a different direction. And why Mitch's strategy getting the top-tier quarterbacks initially was a great way to go because then it opened you up to other options in those middle rounds. You didn't have to feel like, okay, I got to reach and get a quarterback. Um, but I think this year now it's going to catch up. And instead of those bridge or question mark quarterbacks, like I think a player like Geno Smith, if as things stand right now is a, a quarterback, that's going to slip in startups, uh, you know, lo looking at some other names, you might even be able to throw like a, a Jordan love just because of the long-term question marks. If, if 
you're not sold on him. A Will Levis, you could say. So I think instead of those guys bridging the gap, we are now seeing more separation. Uh, and it's going to start to shift where we thought we had depth of the position. We don't. It's crazy, the quarterback hoarding that's going on right now. Like, and it's been a little bit challenging. And, you know, I agree with you, JB. Like, you could pick up quarterbacks, for the most part, a lot of leagues, like, weekly. But it has been such a carousel. And sometimes these coaches are throwing us curveballs. He's like, you think you're okay with Dobbs, or you think you're okay with Zach Wilson, or you think you're okay with, you know, you know, Trevor T-Law's really injured. Bethard, you throw, I threw a ton of fab on Bethard. All of a sudden, T-Law's practicing and, like, he's fine. <laughs> um, you know, so it has really been unpredictable from week to week. But, you know, I look at some of these rosters. Like, one, Kirk Cousins, Sam Howell, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, Tyrod Taylor, Joe Flacco, Jake Browning, C.J. Bethard. I'm afraid to let go of a quarterback here. One, I don't you, want my you can, opponent you can to let, get him. You can let Cooper Rush go. But if something ever, God forbid, happened to my, my my man here, you know, I like to have the backups. I like to have the handcuffs this year, John, because we've seen how these handcuffs have gotten opportunities and gotten into starting opportunities. It's just you never know which ones. Or like there was a good portion of the year. I think it's somewhere in my notes. Like I was looking to get the Mike Whites and the Tyler Huntleys, mm-hmm. and I couldn't even get them. Like like teams weren't giving up these handcuffs. Now maybe thankfully in leagues where I have a Lamar or a Tua, I didn't need them, but. Think of all the quarterbacks where you did need that handcuff. And I think we're going to see that transition too, where we're going to see builds with, you know, we always talk about it. Like I like to have teams for the most part with more running backs. You you get later in the startups, you get later in your rookie drafts, you're, you're slamming home running backs. I think now we're going to see a lot more quarterback twos rostered. I mean, hell we're getting players coming off the streets here. Like, like, it, it, it really, for fantasy purposes, it is crazy what, not that Jake Browning was on the streets, but what he has done over the last few weeks. Uh, Tommy DeVito, not that he's giving you anything above replacement level, but you don't have to go out and pay for somebody that isn't giving you much over DeVito. I, like, it, it's, I can't remember a season that has been this crazy with the quarterback position with how many starters have gone down, like you said, Dan, earlier, and how much mediocrity there is across the board. Like, I I got an an offer for Josh Allen that wasn't horrible, but you're going to have to pry him out of my dead cold hands. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I mean, uh, let's see. I'm looking some of the comments. Uh, Jay Hall. This is the first year a ton of my leagues. I am starting position players, my super flex versus quarterbacks. And I feel like they've been more reliable. Yeah, yeah there's there, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in a 14-team league, I went and I acquired Aiden O'Connell. And I, I paid Keaton Mitchell, who has more uh, longer-term value, if you will, most likely than Aiden O'Connell. But when you're looking at uh, in that league specifically, I have a quarterback room of. So this is a fourteen-team super flex. I was sitting there. He's Derek, gonna have Russ. What? He's gonna have Russell Wilson. If I had Russ, I'd be in good shape. <laughs> Derek Carr, Mac Jones, Geno Smith, Deshaun Watson, mm. and I made a vicious push to make the playoffs, winning four in a row to get there, boys. Four in a row. And this is the league that I actually, Mitch, you're in the league. I forgot to set a lineup. 
So oh. I am sitting there oh boy. with like my points for my average points for is 118 per week. Yeah. And there's playoff non-playoff teams at 140 per week, but I'm making that push. I'm making that effort. Uh, other positions, not just quarterbacks, but has anything really changed when looking at the running back or wide receiver position for you guys compared to how you looked at it coming into the season? I'd say I just kind of continue on a little bit of a trend to go less heavy on running back than I, I did in the past without neglecting it. It's a fine line. And in some rosters, I've been kind of fortunate to have a thinner running back uh, crew and they remained healthy enough where between a pickup two and then the health of those backs, you know, if I was competing maybe against JB and Mitch's roster, my running backs may not be as strong, but I'm stronger elsewhere and I can still compete with your rosters. So I'm a little less, you know, diving in and getting those running backs age discrimination is definitely at an all-time high with running backs uh so i'm definitely seeing that and the the injuries have been um the other thing i've like for 2023 that i'm seeing on top of the quarterback play it's like every week a back is dropping going down and i'm looking for a handcuff there you know it's jerome ford this week i just traded for jerome ford it was ramondre stevenson the week before that um you know we're we're seeing a lot of injuries now Mitch, let me ask you with the injury perspective, especially with running backs, but across the board, like, do you think there's the chance that these players, they get a little dinged up, they tweak something previously? Yeah, put me in, coach. Now they're kind of a business decision. I don't want to re-aggravate something if I don't need to, especially running backs like, like a Ramondre Stevenson. I'm not saying him, you know, but like if you're on a team that is struggling and you get dinged up and you're a running back. Oh, yeah, I, I got to sit out, coach. Like, it's, it's just not great. Honestly, I don't see it that way at all, to be honest. I actually think, you know, over the course of the season, the positional players haven't been ex- – their injuries haven't been as bad as, like, the quarterbacks have, right? Yes, we lost Justin Jefferson. Yeah, we lost Chase for a while. Nick and, Chubb. I mean, we we have had, you know, big injuries like that, but it hasn't been – horrible like it has been at the quarterback position right so for me i think this year positionally has played out a lot like previous years has but no i don't do like just real quick players they they're just different mentally than all of us are that's how they got to the nfl i don't think for one second i mean are there some that do it probably but i think the vast vast majority of them they just want to be on that field this is what they do I don't think you feel running backs as much, Mitch, though. I think that would be like the one little difference because there has been kind of a lot of injuries. But when you lose Aaron Rodgers and you go to like Wilson and Tom Boyle, you feel it. You lose Kyron Williams as much as it hurt. The Rams kind of produced with, you know, the Daryl Hendersons and Royce Freemans of the world. And, you know, um, Kenneth Walker goes out. You you grind it out with Charbonnet for a little bit. So I think you could improvise a little bit more and handcuff those running backs. But I think one of the maybe overall themes for me has been – I like having a deeper bench even more than I pa- had in the past because you know you guys know I love trade and draft picks and you you throw away the farm and you try to get that star-studded lineup, but I don't like stars and scrubs really anymore. I love having the value of, of some bench options. Yeah, it's I I mean I look at it across the board with my portfolio, and I could show you it both ways where I got lucky enough to have 
uh, McCaffrey, knock on wood, who stayed healthy so far this season, a Tyree kill, you know, a little dinged up this last week, but healthy for the most part, just an explosively high ceiling, a Josh Allen, a Lamar Jackson, who've stayed healthy. Like you, you, you can lock into that with no injuries and pivot off of somebody if your trade deadline hasn't passed. But then I have other situations where I've skated by on depth. And I, I've gotten fairly lucky that way. Yeah, maybe I don't have the ceiling necessarily that I have on some of my other rosters. But I this year, you see it work certainly both ways. And you do every year. But I really think you see it more this year. And the injuries that really just kill me, like it's, I mean, of, of course, if you're getting injured, it's during a game. But those super early injuries that you can't do anything about and you're taking that zero or that one or that two. And you're like, Oh, like, come on. Like, obviously our fantasy teams first and foremost should be these players top priorities, not their health or safety. Come on. But, uh, Mitch, mm -hmm. who, who has been your biggest disappointment so far this year? Okay. Hold on. And I, okay. I said, and I meant to start the show off with this, but the conversation yeah. just got good from the start. Uh, I said, let's not no rookies if we can. No. Yeah. So we didn't do rookies. So kind of takes all the fun out of the pleasant surprise one, but biggest disappointments, the Steelers offense. I think you could, I mean, there might have been weeks to where you could start them every once in a while. I mean, Jalen Warren's been fine. Najee's actually been pretty good as of late. You know what I mean? But you couldn't put any of them in weekly and be like, I love having this guys by running back two or my wide receiver two or my quarterback two. I mean, before the season, I invested pretty heavily in the team. You know, I thought um, Pickett was going to do well. I thought Pickens was going to do better. I thought Pat Firemuth was going to do his thing. And they've all just been, you know, well below average and well below what we expected. And so for me, they that's easily the biggest disappointment for me. I was going to go with the Panthers, but with the rookie quarterback and a whole new scheme and a whole new coaching staff, I could actually see how this could happen. But the Steelers just flat out are horrible on offense. Adam Thielen is what you talk about the Panthers, and I not to go yeah. on too many tangents, but Adam Thielen was that mid-season disappointment yep. that you're like, okay, I I I have a reliable, maybe low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two on my roster, or I'm looking for a cheap veteran that is everybody's talking about as go get this guy. If you're contending, he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, especially if the team that has Adam Thielen isn't contending. You acquire him. And this happened to me in a league. You acquire him. And then it's like, dud, dud, dud. Like, so I think we can look at, at disappointment, certainly at different stages. And whenever you did look to acquire them, I see a comment from Greg. I think tight ends more frustrating this year. Kelsey less dominant and lots of injuries of top tight ends, but love seeing the rookie tight ends emerging. I mean, for the most part, I, I think this has been a really pleasantly surprising season for tight ends. The funny thing. So you have a question later. What 2023 trends do we see continuing? Um, one thing that I wanted to hit on was the tight ends. I don't think we see that huge change in the elite tight ends. I think, Kind of the problem is having an elite tight end now isn't going to make you better than a lot of other teams. 
I mean, right now, so last year, Kelsey was five points over tight end two, right? And now he's like a point PPR wise over Hawkinson. And I mean, their stats are almost identical. There really isn't a huge difference between them. Um, but I, Kelsey missed the first game. So that was the big difference, right? Um, and then Laporte is right there. Andrews would be there. Kittle's there. Ingram's there. There's just a whole bunch of guys now that you could put in your lineup and be okay with. And that's going to take away because everyone before they were like, oh, if you have the upper tight ends, you have a positional advantage over everybody. Now you have a positional advantage over maybe four teams in your league, but I'll put Sam Laporta, um, George Kittle against a Travis Kelsey team any day of the week. We couldn't say that previously or Mark Andrews, whoever it was that year. So I, I think what we could expect moving forward and not to be too startup focused, but the highest end tight ends, maybe a Laporta or a Kincaid, depending on how he finishes down the stretch, but like a Kelsey, even a Hawk uh, had a few splash games. But I think overall, because there, there's, we have one, two, three, four, five, six tight ends right now this year, averaging at least 13.1 points per game in typical PPR. Last year, we had two averaging at least 13.1. And that was Travis Kelsey at 18.6 and George Kittle at 13.4. And then we saw kind of that middle ground like Dawson Knox was at nine points per game last year and Joku was at 10 Ingram was at 10 and like that that's your seven to 12 range really yeah so I, I think the point is there and I agree with you that your top top tight ends are going to come down a little bit we're going to have those middle tier tight ends get a little bit closer to them in terms of value and ADP. Like you're not going to see the need to upgrade. Like that's been the one thing for me. Like if I have to roll into a week with a Gerald Everett, is it great? No, but the rest of my team, like it, it should put me in a situation where I don't feel the need to go out and really pay a premium to upgrade. Um, so I think then we're going to see, those middle tier guys kind of float up a little bit more. And then we're going to see that bigger drop. Like where's Pat Fryermuth going in two PPR startups next year? Eighth, ninth. Uh, Kyle Pitts. If his name wasn't Kyle Pitts. Oh, he's still, he's, he was second round draft pick all through last year. I don't think he's going to go in the top four rounds anymore. Uh, Dallas Goddard. He's going to slip significantly. The age yep. is getting up there too. But then, like, like, why not get a Cole Komet at a discount, a David Njoku, a Jake Ferguson? Jake Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, hell, Dalton Schultz, even though they've been a little frustrating at times. But I, I think the tight end conversation is interesting because you have Greg's take there with how frustrating it's been. But I think we really have seen more higher-end depth uh, at the position that we really haven't seen. And I mean, then, then you have the God himself, Taysom Hill, who's just, you know, a legend. Uh, Dan, what are you, what are your thoughts overall on the tight end position there? It ties into the, I guess, you know, my biggest disappointment list. There was a, a good chunk of my biggest disappointment list is tight ends. And funny is it isn't even any of the tight ends you mentioned. 
Um, I, I just had like a, you know, a few sleepers that I was kind of hoping on, depending on how my drafts went. If I wasn't fortunate enough to score the young talents and the Kincaids and Laportas of the world or have an Andrews or a Kelsey, I was re- really seeing value and enjoying drafting or trading for the Darren Wallers. I thought Jelani Woods was going to be this hot thing. Greg Dulcich, I had high hopes for probably naive of me, but I was thinking with Joe Burrow, maybe Irv Smith came to life. There's four busts, four busts for the year at the, at the tight end position that I thought were sleepers. So they were a big part of my disappointment list, JB. And then just some guys that I liked, like Damian Pierce really turned out to be a letdown for, you know, Devin Singletary to surpass him. Sky Moore's a nothing. John Meshi never materialized anything, which is even more disappointing considering how awesome Stroud is and even Noah Brown's a thing. And, now they're all hurt, and Meshi still can't. He, yeah. he can't even out snap Xavier Hutchinson. So there's some frustrations there. Rashad I mean, Bates. honestly, though, and I'm, I was not a Meshi fan pre-draft, post-draft, but how much of an impact does it have to go what go through what he went through off the field, physically, mentally, you know, and to, to from a football perspective, to miss the entire season and off season like like uh, that's got to be just a, a massive impact yeah and i'm glad you say that because sometimes we get caught up on this and and, and i have had that thought like I, if anyone in the houston texans organizations was listening to this they'd be like this guy danza who the heck is he <laughs> you know what this guy's been through meshi's probably one of the biggest success stories in the national football right, league right, right. now for, for, for what he's been through uh but just in terms of fantasy was you know hoping to see him more involved when opportunity came Rashad Bateman, even though he's getting the snaps and the occasional deep ball from Lamar, it's just not translating to like anything. Um, George Pickens is in my doghouse. This is just Coach Dan and me talking here. I'm watching him on a run play, just lallygag, uh, not even doing anything. Like I'm, I'm getting a little uh, ticked off with Coach Tomlin, JB. He needs to like set precedence somewhere and bench Pickens right now. Um, so his attitude really stinks and I'm mad about it, but that's my list. They're the guys that are just duds or disappointments or I have one work. more. And, one I, and more. I said, before you go, Mitch, I saw, I saw Tommy tremble in that chat. He's better than every tight end. I just named this year. All right. <laughs> Chris that's Godwin. Bad. I think Chris Godwin and his value, you know, in the preseason was a late first round is pretty much what you expected to get back. If you were going to trade him. Now, I don't know if you're getting a second rounder for him. Like, yes, he is technically a wide receiver three in fantasy, but I mean, so I mean, you can name almost 30 other guys that could be right there with him. So for me, I think he has just been such a huge disappointment. You know, like I said, we aren't bagging on the players themselves, just fantasy wise, what we expected and the returns that we got this year. He's one that's definitely on my list. I mean, I have so many teams with the likes of, and I'm just looking at uh, the fantasy production that they've put up this season, coming into the year with an Amari Cooper, a Terry McLaurin, a Chris Godwin, Hollywood Brown, Jahan Dotson maybe, Deontay Johnson, Christian Watson, and you're like, Jerry Judy. Like, okay, like, like, I'm in, my team's, great like this is a a great high depth wide receiver core great Uh, to me it looks like a whole lot of wide receiver fours maybe wide receiver five in some regards so i I think that 
that is certainly a, a disappointment. And the I I think from a strategy perspective, you look back and we mentioned this briefly, I think it was on the pivot point, Mitch, but the running backs that have been succeeding this year, if anything, it's going to drive down the value of running backs throughout the offseason, even more so than we've seen previously, especially with so many impending free agents, so many rookies coming in to the league on a yearly basis, obviously. But like the guys that are producing, they weren't requiring you typically to spend like a late first. So the moves that maybe I was making throughout the the late stages of the offseason, early parts of the season, it's really going to make you think, now I'm really not going to move a first for a running back. When I, I mean, think about, and I, I, now it's coming back to me when we talked about this, Mitch, but think about the names here. Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson, Isaiah Pacheco, Jerome Ford, David Montgomery, I mean, how cheap these guys were. And some of them really did come from nowhere. Even if we could say we were a fan of the player or supported them, we could not in our wildest imagination picture what some of these guys have been doing. But like the Joe Mix and the Alvin Kamara, they were so cheap. And Raheem Mostert has 16 I, touchdowns this year, which is just insane. And you could get him for any second round. Like you could trade any second round pick throughout the whole offseason, you would have got him. Yeah. So I, I don't think the running back position, you know, Mitch, you kind of talked about it with the injuries. Nothing really crazy has happened compared to other seasons. And I think on the the grand scheme of it all, we probably have seen fewer longer term injuries. Again, knock on yeah, wood. It can chub out. Yeah, I think so. But that's the one position. No. So then you look at the disappointments at wide receiver we just talked about, even if they weren't injuries. Uh, but th- how much of of this wide receiver production kind of ties into the quarterback play we talked about? But then it's like, well, look at what Jamar Chase is doing with Jake Browning. I mean, he pops off a 30-burger. Uh, but look at the guys at the top of the list. Tyree Kill, he has Tua. Lamb has Dak. Keenan Herbert, A.J. Brown Hurts, Chase had Burrow, Diggs Allen, D.J. Moore, certainly an interesting one. Uh, but like the guys that we mentioned that deal with Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky, dealing with uh, Sam Howell, who has been fine for fantasy purposes, dealing with Baker Mayfield, dealing with the hodgepodge before Kyler Murray for Marquise Brown, uh, talked about Deontay Johnson. Like, certainly that has an impact. I think it has to, to be honest. Yeah. So, anything else? The 2023 regular season takeaways. Anything you've changed, or you might be looking? I have a surprise. I want to talk about something good. My this has been a pleasant surprise, right? Brock Purdy. I think the reason is because we believe any quarterback can be good stepping to the office, and it's 100% true. But they're not second in passing yards good and third in touchdowns good. I mean, he's just – everyone – he's always going to have that weird value because people 
in dynasty have to have that first round draft pick, you know, things stuck in their head. Their pre-draft assessment is the reason why these guys are, should be valued high. Right now, Brock Purdy should be a top 10 dynasty quarterback, in my opinion. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, that's where he should be. Is he? No, because he was the 200-whatever pip in the draft, right? But for me, I'm really interested to see what a quarterback like him would do in startups moving forward. Because I think for all intents and purposes, he should be middle of the second round at worst. But you know how we are with Dynasty with our pre-draft assessments. If we didn't like the guy before, that means we can't really value him now. And that's just kind of how it goes in Dynasty. But for me, I just think he's such a locked-in starter moving forward. And how good he is, he's going to continue to be that good. So for me, I'm willing to buy in at him at whatever his value is now. And probably even a lot higher than what other people value him at. And Mitch has conviction in that because I even dangled the Detroit Lions Jared Goff in there and I couldn't even get a counter offer. Nope. So he has conviction. Kudos, Mitch. That's a good one. Thanks, man. Uh, we have a good question here. I think it transitions well into the really the biggest argument against Brock Purdy, which is the draft capital. But how long did it take Dak Prescott to really become a big time dynasty name? I I would say. It was probably his third year, and I'd have to go back on it. But tremendous rookie season, second year, dipped in completion percentage, uh, quarterback rating, touched on the interception ratio, and then really started to get back up there in 2018. So that's a kind of a good follow-up I want to take away here and look into that because that really could be what we see with a – Brock Purdy career arc from a value perspective, Dak is always severely undervalued. But really, what makes Brock Purdy different than a Tua, different than a Trevor Lawrence at this point? You know, it goes as right? long as Brock right, Purdy thing. stays in that system. How many people flat out, you know, with a straight face said Tom Brady is a system quarterback? Well, if he's in the system that he's in <laughs> exactly. for what two does it matter? decades, I'm not saying Brock Purdy is Tom Brady. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL for two decades. But if they're in that system, who cares? How, how, the how fantasy funny. point, there's no asterisk. How funny is it that we will draft any Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills wide receiver, no matter how bad they are because they're in that system. But yet it's taken us this long with Brock Purdy, who has every weapon under the sun. He has the old line. He's got the receivers, the tight end, the running back. It's phenomenal. And yet, it's Brock Purdy. So, no joke. How many quarterbacks do we have in the NFL right now that are not system quarterbacks? Josh Allen. I mean, really, you look at Patrick Mahomes. Even the great Patrick needs a few weapons. He does. My thing is, I think really good quarterbacks are good in really good systems. You have the unicorns like Manning, like Brady, that could go wherever they want and still put up points, right? I think we might have Mahomes in the league right now, and we have Josh Allen in the league right now. And I think that's where it ends. You might be able to add a couple more there. Well, I'm just saying as far as system-wise, like let's say – Dak's been doing awesome this year, right? What happens if you move him to the Carolina Panthers, right? I think fantasy-wise, we probably wouldn't love him. But I think if you put Josh Allen and Mahomes there, I think it'd be okay. 
And it wouldn't just be like the rushing stats, you know, keeping him going. It would be actually producing with other people on the field. Like, I want to mention Jalen Hurts, but I think if you put Jalen Hurts in an offense that doesn't have A.J. Brown in it right now, we're going to love him for fantasy. I'm not sure if we're going to love him as far as, you know, producing other fantasy people on the on his team. So that's just, I think we're down to maybe two. Maybe there's another one I'm missing, but Herbert's not one of them, obviously. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow's in that class. You know, I think if it wasn't Burrow, for Burrow's health a very this year, good one too. I think Burrow could do it. But again, we don't really need to see him do it because he's tied to a Jamar Chase. Like, you know, we want to see what quarterbacks do in the worst of situations, but do we really want to see it? Yeah. Remdog's no. right. Lamar is his own system. So, yes, that is 100% true. Yeah, Lamar's a good one. Uh, all right. To wrap up the show, I didn't, oh, give you guys... I, I didn't oh, even get oh. to give my surprises. I don't get to give my surprises. Oh, Jamie. I'm sorry. Oh, Dan, please go ahead. Go ahead. And, and, and I'll rapid fire them, JB. I'll rapid fire them here. But Mitch stole Purdy. I love that you mentioned Moster. He's not, he, I still a little age discrimination there, but only CMC has scored more than Raheem Moster this year. So he definitely deserves to be a pleasant surprise. But outside of, like, we can't name rookies per JB's rules tonight, so that takes out the now functional Houston Texans, which they were like, you know, what what a surprise there. Uh, but Baker, I mean, he, re, you know, might have earned himself a starting job for another year or so there. So that was, a, I think, a surprise from the quarterback position. The running back position stood out with Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams, Rod, uh, our, our boy Rashad White, you know, I think that's all because of JB's interview. I think that was the start of his his rising career, Pacheco. So there was those, again, as JB mentioned before, running backs that you could have pretty free that they're nice to have on your rosters right now. And then my Cowboys boys, Dak, Lamb, Ferg, uh, I love where they've landed. So I just wanted to mention those pleasant surprises from the year, JB. I'll allow it. And you even bent the rules a little bit by still sneaking the Texans in. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't give names. I just said the team because they were dysfunctional. They're, they're less dysfunctional now. They were. All right. I'm going to give you guys a few players across each position, a little word association. It doesn't have to be just one word. So if you have a, a sentence you want to throw, that's fine. But I'm going to pick a few quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And just when I mention their name, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? That's right. first on these. Oh, putting the pressure on me, Mitch. All right, Dan, you'll be first on the quarterbacks here. All right. Brock, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. I mean, we I think we covered that one. To me, underrated. Dude, I, I'm not good with these, but like <laughs> we're like psychologists here. I don't tonight, know what to you say, know? man. Uh, come on, Mitch. Bro, what do you think of me? Listen, of Purdy? I say Brock Purdy. What do you think of? Unfiltered Mitch Sorensen. Where is he? Value. Value. There you go. How's there that? You go. All Where right. Dan, Russell Wilson. <sighs> Old, outdated, but JB has sold him so much. He's, he's, he's remaining relevant. He's like that 2010 Ford Explorer that's still on the road, still producing, but no one really wants to get be, be like seen around it. I, I was if I was gonna jump in here, I think underrated <laughs> I going for would. Purdy. For Russell Wilson, I, steady, solid. Like he's not giving you the super high ceiling, but he's just steady. 
Oh. You plug him into your super flex spot. He's steady. I would swear JB is Russ Wilson's agent this year if I didn't know <laughs> any better. I swear he is. Yeah. There's some deal somewhere. Uh, Dan, Will Levis. JB has the, the Russ Wilson comeback player of the year bet in DraftKings. I think that's what it is. He's hoping people are listening to this pod so he wins his bet. Um, Will Levis, uh, you know, out of control train, ready to wreck. And, like, he is um, he's a walking time bomb. That, that's my thought. And Mitch is going to argue this one because we were getting into it yesterday Love in it. the Discord. <laughs> Built. Like, that dude is, like, just flat out has to be in the gym non-stop i mean he he's probably a very good description of what we're gonna see what all the newer quarterbacks coming into the nfl probably will be like just because of how much the gym takes part of everything now but built built is mine jb he's stealing my mojo he likes these workout videos now mitch look out i know all right last quarterback dan justin fields running back Running back, playing quarterback. He's an athlete. Hope. Like, I still hope that he is going to be good. I don't think it's going to happen, but they're shown enough there that the Bears might have some hope, and I hope he doesn't kill Marvin Harrison. Bitchy, you've really come on strong these last few names. I'm trying. I'm trying. Like, I'm horrible at this. I will I will get there. I like it. I like it. Uh, all right, Mitch, let's start with you. Running backs. B. John Robinson. Underutilized because the coaching staff is terrible. Atlanta is a love-hate every week, but for Bijan, he's in that Gibbs class for me. Love that young running back. So uh, top of my running back list next year. Saquon Barkley. Impossible to val impossible to put value on next year. I don't know where you put him. I don't know where you rake him. We don't know where he's going to play. We don't know if he's going to be healthy. I just, I just don't know about that dude. But he's amazing. I wish I had that one first. Future Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> Putting it into existence. Austin Eckler. <laughs> dust. Flat dust. Running back eight in week 14 with 21 PPR points. That doesn't look like dust to me, boys. Oh, hopefully it mattered and didn't kill you the two weeks before when JB had you trade your first for him, but <laughs> uh, but declining asset. But there was like no positivity <laughs> with any of these names. Uh, Mitch, mm-hmm. let's go with I love the person in Austin Eckler. He's a nice guy. Let's go with Brees Hall. Star. I think he could easily be running back one next year. 2024 value. Yeah. All right. And then let's go. He said we were negative, Mitch. I know, right? Mitch, last one for running backs. Chuba Hubbard. (laughs) Um, He's cool to have on your team i suppose <laughs> i mean he's trying to be he's trying to be nice now yeah he made us feel bad he's bor- boring for me it's just boring sure <laughs> okay all right he plays all in right. the next, nfl next, I suppose. Next, next name listen see though the, you guys come on okay this guy is boring where you know you could still put like 
Well, what what do you, how are you going to explain <laughs> Chuba Cup Hubbard, John? How how would you? Somewhat dependable. Uh, sweet. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> All right, a couple of wide receivers here, Dan. Uh la 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 Puka Nakua. The rookie surprise we were not allowed to talk about tonight per John's rules. Um, trying to figure out how to word it quickly, but just he is the perfect example of why we have to get off our pre-rookie assessments as soon as we see something in the NFL. I don't know how to word that any better, but that's just how I see him. Okay, okay. So maybe just being flexible. Okay. Uh, la 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 la. Dan Amari Cooper, like a fine wine, better at age. See, not, not, not letting go of my boy Coop. <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. It's it, honestly, I don't think any of it's Cooper's fault. I think he's had really horrible quarterbacks all year long, and some health stuff. But yeah, like what seven catches, eighty yards, somewhere in that range this last week. I think with, he's fine with comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco. Let's go with T. Higgins, Dan. Next year's hot commodity. Future Kansas City Chief. Bar- Barkley um, and Higgins, man. Look out. Last one, Marvin Mims Jr. Sophomore breakout. Sorry, I fell asleep already. Who are we talking about again? <laughs> okay, so... It was a snooze fest there for, for Mitch. It is with Mims, man. All right. It could be. It could be. The one tight end. Mitch, Trey McBride. Uh, not Sam Laporta. He was my 20 in my 2023 sleeper list and the fantasy yeah. guy that came through. <laughs> Final thoughts. I wanted to keep going there, but I think we all were losing a little steam on that one. Mitch was, he was digging deep there for any type of adjective to throw Look, out. I'm not good at those things. <laughs> like John knows this. He'll like be talking to me throughout the show. And like, he knows by now if I'm like, if I'm not going to have anything, he'll just keep going. <laughs> Taking you out of your comfort zone, buddy. All right. I like it though. It's only taken 227 episodes and we're getting Mitch out of that comfort zone. Just getting, getting him out of there. All right, Dan, like I said, 227th episode, 2023 regular season is in the books. You're still not in startup mode. So what do you got for our listeners as the playoffs kick off? Yeah, man, it's the best time of year. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of equating kids' happy faces Christmas morning to fantasy playoffs and all our different formats. We talked about ups and downs tonight. Uh, Dynasty, I think there was more ups and downs. I had 10 teams make the playoffs, six out. But, like, th- three teams were championship teams last year that are out this year. So that's like, whoa, what, what happened? So you just never know. Got four best ball mania teams going, but good luck to everybody. You know, it should be first round of the playoffs in most of your leagues. Uh, You know, we have a Thursday night game and be aware there's three Saturday games before the Sunday slate. So good luck, y'all. All All right, Mitch, what do you got? All I'm going to say is just just hold off on everyone's victory laps on how well they did this fantasy year so far. I will say last year I made 75% of the playoffs in my dynasty leagues. I won one championship because I got <laughs> smoked in that first round. So I'm not, 
I'm not telling anyone how many leagues I got in yet. I'll let everyone know at the end of the year how it went. But as of right now, I'm not saying a thing. <laughs> With the way things have been going, and we talked about it throughout the entire episode, I think this year, more than any year previously, the case for no trade deadlines in your dynasty league. I understand you know, there is certainly another strategy to be said about leagues where you have a trade deadline. But if you are in a league and you did everything you possibly could, and now you're sitting there just injuries piling up and you cannot do anything about it except just sit there and watch your players disappear and your potential winnings disappear as well. It is so frustrating. So I think more than anything, more than any other year, this year, no trade deadlines. And it's we're going to see it's very critical this year, more than any probably, to get that first round by in your, in your leagues, which obviously at this point, there's nothing you can do about that either. But you want to be able to get that, that by to get you in the semifinals to, to get rid of a little bit of variance, if at all possible. Fun show. We'll get everybody next week. For Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. Thanks for listening to Dynasty Theory, part of the DLF family of podcasting and a proud partner of DynastyDaddy.com. Make sure you check out both those fantastic resources. We'll catch everybody next week. Peace. <laughs>